Pedagogy of Integrity is a brave space for educators, trainers and facilitators. With this space, we will host meaningful and authentic conversations. From teaching learning practices to collective knowledge production, from decolonized educational spaces all the way to transferring to virtual spaces, we will speak about all the aspects of education. Welcome to Pedagogy of Integrity. Here is Ziba Tunjer. I am an educator, teacher, and systemic coach. Glad to host you. Welcome. Hello everyone. I am very happy for the third episode of Pedagogy of Integrity. Yuppie, we made it. I got some feedback from you guys that you would like to know about me, about who I am. And I decided to share a little bit about me and maybe whenever there is a chance I can also let you know more whenever you have a question. And I am born to a Kurdish family in eastern Turkey where the majority of the population uh, are Kurdish. I have nine siblings and um, I graduated as English teacher in Turkey. Uh, what motivated me to become a teacher was that it was difficult and complicated for me to walk the path of education myself facing discrimination. Uh, so I wanted other children not suffer like this. I migrated from Turkey to Germany in 2015 and I did my master in the field of post-colonial cultural studies with the focus on decolonization of education at Potsdam University. The MA program has a little long name. <laughs> it's called Anglophone Modernities in Literature and Culture. I can only recommend it. I'm also a certified systemic coach and a trainer for trainers. My field um, here is fostering transcultural competency for international scholars. And now I work as a teacher and a coach and also I do my PhD in educational science. And today's topic is very important to me. The topic uh, will be discrimination in education, as well as the overlapping issues like identity, gender, sexuality and migration. I have talked to Ray Shami. He's a Syrian-Canadian expert in this field. and uh, It has been a good conversation, really, really good. We have touched many topics, uh, including the most important ones, uh, the tragic death of George Floyd, an innocent man who was killed by a policeman in front of public eye, and Baruch Chakan, who was killed in Turkey for listening to Kurdish music. These two events made me extremely sad and angry, and I just cannot go on without making a statement. Uh, Ray will tell us about his journey all the way from Syria at the age of 16 and his work from being educator, artist, trainer and employment counselor and coach. From his experience till how to empower people, especially queer people of color, we had a good exchange on the all elements uh, which are or should belong to education. And now you will hear the conversation between me and Ray, and I hope you will get inspiration and motivation. Ray has really great energy. I enjoyed so much. I had chance to work with him two years ago in the topic of human rights in Weimar, 
at the European Youth Ex uh, Educational Center and I enjoyed work with him. You will also hear about our experience in the talk. Let's begin. Okay, hello Ray, welcome to the Domain of Integrity. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to have you. Uh, thank you, I'm happy to be here. Oh, cool. Ray Shami is joining us from London, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, directly from London. <laughs> oh, cool. We, uh, I used to say grey city, is it still like that? Actually, it's not that great. It rains more in uh, in Berlin than in London. <laughs> and not thank you to global warming, but it's actually been really, really warm. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. So it's been very nice. Actually, the weather here has been quite satisfactory. Oh, sounds good. Cool, Ray. I know you uh, through an educational event that we did together in Weimar, mm -hmm. Germany. I remember you also actually helped me a lot to take my leadership while I was uh, supervising or coaching a trainer team. Mm -hmm. And I and you just told me in a break, Eva, I like how you work, but please take mm -hmm. your leadership. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this guy is so feminist. So I have to take it into consideration, you know. Mm -hmm. I think since then I am always remembering you and this word. And it has been a great job with you. So tell us a bit about your work. Do you also somehow inspire other people to, to find their way? Sure. So I would say I started my work around education uh, maybe seven or eight years ago um, when I joined a, a grassroots organization that uh, supports uh, LGBT people within the Arabic-speaking diaspora in Canada, or in the province of Quebec, specifically. Um, and then, at that time, I didn't think about it as an education, um, but it was actually just a platform to educate people in general. Um, so most of the events we used to hold are uh, events that educate people about homosexuality or the struggle of people of color, uh, queer people of color, um, and and basically what people go through and how can we avoid that and how can we change that and for any of that to happen you need an enormous amount of education around this whole topic and also education done by people that have lived experiences um, so it's not um, it's basically within it's an education done within the community so that was my first experience um, after that, uh, well, during that, I actually went to university where I studied uh, human relations and interdisciplinary studies of sexuality. Um, then I worked, that was in Canada. I moved to Amsterdam after that, and I worked with a Dutch Integration Institute. So our focus was supporting refugees and, and, and asylum seekers to learn the Dutch language. Um, and there uh, I actually worked with another organization called Lola Lake, which um, transformed a former prison into an art space and a creative space for, for refugees and um, entrepreneurs and, and artists to come together so that refugees can get education and training at the refugee camp. So basically we realized that um, it's very difficult to bring um, asylum seekers and refugees into this into society immediately upon arrival. So the idea was to bring society 
into the refugee camp. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there I organized uh, workshops, um, even things like meditation sessions and all different mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. And uh, where else? I moved to Berlin after that, where actually I worked in Weimar when we worked together. Yeah. Uh, and that was such an incredible experience, to be honest. I've never, um, it was like doing nothing for 10 days or more and then doing really, really hardcore, like seven days of education with young people, um, seven in the morning till 10 at night. <laughs> <laughs> But I really, really loved it. I just loved uh, the experimental way of teaching. And I love uh, teaching by experiencing. And young people were super inspiring and really, really willing to learn. Um, and it was the first time I worked with people under 16. Uh, there were like a group. One of the times I, I, I went there, there was a group. Um, maybe there were between 13, uh, 14 and uh, 16. And I really enjoyed working with young people. I thought they're so ready to like learn a new ideas and they're super open so that was very nice mm -hmm. yeah and now i'm in london <laughs> mm -hmm. working uh, mainly in uh in employment um so i work for a, a charity that aims to integrate refugees within the british society through employment and education so we have education program um, like english programs and uh, employment programs i work on the employment team as a senior employment advisor Basically, I have between 30 and 50 clients that I casework them and we meet on weekly basis or bi-weekly basis or every now and then um, where I give them I give them training and coaching about em employment, uh, how to get a job, how to uh, how to write a CV, how to present yourself and also just giving them motivation to restart their life basically and coaching and and have them kind of give themselves good feedback and um, and come up with the new ideas and what they want to do in life because a lot of people change uh, countries and then they realize the career they led is not something they can continue for many reasons. So it's really focusing on tr transferable skills and, and having people learn about what what they can do in this country and where they can go from there. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Cool. That's what I've been up to for the past few years. <laughs> yeah, I, I see you, yeah, like you enjoy this process um, with working with people, motivating them or somehow helping them. And I, I want to talk about the integration work. Mm -hmm. Like in Germany, I think this, this work starts to become better if we use inclusion or something. In which mm -hmm. sense you, it, it's used there and how do you find it? This is one. And the second question, what gives you power actually that you um, you are now the one who are motivating people um, is it coming from because you yourself went through all this process so you know mm -hmm. the kind of ups and downs and ways and so on or um, yeah why not other people who did you know like mm -hmm. what gives you power just yeah yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll answer that first. I think what, when it comes to informal education in the form of training or in the form of coaching, um, I think lived experience is definitely necessary when it comes to that. Um, I remember I left uh, Syria, I was 16 years old. Um, 
I remember being on an airplane from Damascus to Toronto um, with no idea what is it like, like how is it going to work. Um, I didn't really have much of family there, so it was really a big, big adventure. Uh, and I went through this whole process of, um, like the whole migration process has different elements uh, to it. And a big element of it is basically emotional and a big element is uh, educational and then other aspects like learning skills and restructuring your entire uh, identity basically if you have to. Um, and now when I see um, asylum seekers um, going through the same process, um, it really means uh, something to me and I can see it's really interesting because I can see people at different stages of my own process so if they're young I can see oh you just got here you're gonna need that amount of time this amount of education this amount of courses um, or experiences to feel like you you, you belong here or feel like um, like decide what you want to do in life and I really enjoy uh, seeing people at different stages and, and try to help them get to the next step, basically. Um, I think people have very different experiences. Even though I experience migration, I do also understand people can have extremely different experiences. Yeah. Recently, I was talking with a friend. He is also coming from Kurdistan. And mm -hmm. I, he has a good job right now here. Like He studied also and so on. And then he got a job offer that he can be the one who is somehow supporting migration group and so on and he said he refused even if it was a good uh, offer he was telling that this is not my job to like make a country better it is your own job to make it and i will refuse that so um because it's a bit tiring you know the, because you are the one who lived all the difficulties and so on and now you are also the one who feel responsible to bring to the other that the other people doesn't feel the same way that you went through you know and there is two like one one part of us says okay i think i will help it because i know how it's done better and the other part of us is like okay it's not my job to put myself very much into this yeah, difficult path, let's say. How, how it is for you? Yeah, um, I've been seeing the news recently with all that that's happening uh, with the Black Lives Matter. And I noticed there are two opinions around that. There's an opinion that uh, people of color are not responsible for educating other people. And there's opinions that um, actually people of, of color have the responsibility to teach other people of their lived experience. Um, and I think I'm a, I'm a bit more with the second opinion. I feel um, I'm a bit, it's not that I'm responsible, but I would uh, genuinely like to <laughs> pass on my, my experiences. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, because I think you can only teach what you learned, um, but you can't have someone inherit your experience, but you, they have to go through it themselves, but you can guide them through this experience based on what you have went through what you have learned and just try to help them go through that. Mm -hmm. But I am more for um, feeling a bit more responsible. Uh, and that was the point of coming to Europe, uh, to be honest, from, from Canada, because in Canada, the, there wasn't much, uh, the flock of uh, refugees wasn't so strong that, um, like there wasn't enough at the time, uh, jobs within the integration sector. So I decided to move to Europe because I wanted to work with, with refugees, because mm -hmm. I felt responsible for what happened not for what happened. I've, I felt responsible to support the community that I'm 
in some capacity a part of. Um, and these questions is leading me, actually, I want to know how do you feel right now with all the happening in news in the shadow of Corona and um, the, uh, the act of racism, um, which we just witnessed in public eye, the tra tragic death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And uh, also um, after that, the movement of Black Black Lives Matters. And um, yeah, how how do you feel with with that right now? I mean, with coronavirus spread first, um, I just realized that. So working with asylum seekers, for for example, I just realized how any big uh, international event of this size it just makes whoever was initially disadvantaged, even more disadvantaged. Um, so it is already really difficult to get some of my clients uh, have um, a minimum wage job because of English barrier, low computer skills, or whatever it is that they're struggling with. Um, and now there are an additional million uh, British uh, people that can get this very easy job. So now the competition for people like uh, refugees became even three times, four times more more difficult, um, let alone uh, the loss of the job and partial collapse of the economy. <laughs> so um, unfortunately, any of these life events, you can really see it uh, further marginalizing the, the populations that are already a bit marginalized. So that's really unfortunate. Um, in terms of what's happening uh, in, in the US, I, I a few years ago when, when Donald Trump was elected, I actually almost saw that coming. I was like, um, America is an extremely diverse country. At some point, at different points, there were leaders on like um, civil rights movements. Um, America basically, uh, there were leaders on social rights movements at many different times throughout history. Um, and I knew that uh, the way uh, Donald Trump and his um, government is leading the country is not going to go down well with large portion of, of the American population. Everyone is relatively progressive <laughs> because you can't reintroduce fascist ideology at, at this time and uh, put uh, Mexican children in, uh, in cages and all this really racist discourse uh, led to so much anger and frustration from all sides like even from the people that are with him, it's just a lot of anger and hate. So I kind of saw that coming. Um, and I think the spread of coronavirus and the loss of jobs and the government's lack of ability to support the working, the American working class really pushed people over the edge. Um, and I think, I mean, going back to education, I think there's definitely lack of education within the regular school curriculum in the United States. I don't know. There's two different kinds of education that happens in North America, in my opinion. One of them is informative education. So for example, you would learn about uh, colonialism, you would learn about history, but you don't learn about so much about the lived experiences of black people back then and how does it transfer today at the workplace, in a supermarket. Um, so is it, I think this, whole anger and misunderstanding of each other really comes from the lack of information around lived experiences and how people feel and how people experience um, being black or being from different ethnicity in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, 
I understand you very good. I'm not sure if it is only about a misunderstanding of each other or a lack of information that they don't have about each other, but rather a huge hate, which mm -hmm. is just really historically gathered and so on. And especially now with this, like, like what we saw in news, you know, like with this video of George Floyd, I felt also so much hate and, and, and really, and um, just after that, I also learned another um, case in Turkey. For sure, it's not good to compare each other, but still it's, it's, it's the act of discrimination, you know? Mm. And then uh, 20 years of um, Kurdish guy was killed just because he was listening to Kurdish music. And for me, until now, we all were hearing all these things, you know, like the acts, this happened there, this happened there, he killed there. Mm -hmm. And now doing this in the name of law, in the public eyes, is showing uh, uh, somehow these people feel like right to have that, you know? And that's why I'm a little bit hesitating if education, um, in what way it can help. I'm, I'm really hesitating right now. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think there is really embedded and structural racism within the American society and hate and, and prejudice. Um, but the reason why I always bring ed education into the, the, the argument because uh, I feel that if the news, if the school curriculum, if the parents, um, if your local church, any of this is um, appreciating diversity and um, understanding the history of slavery and modern slavery um, and basically embracing a, a little bit more progressive ideology. I feel like society would be a little bit less, there would be less anger um, and there'll be less frustration. Uh, and I think education is definitely the very next thing we need to be looking at and like, how can we make people less angry and how can we eliminate hate? I know it sounds very hippie. <laughs> you can't eliminate hate. It's very ambitious project. Um, but there are places in the world wh where there is multicultural environments and there is much, much less hate and, and prejudice. So it is possible, but it's not possible with a government like Trump's government. It's not possible with the president that goes on TV and describe a population as rapists, uh, like Mexicans. Like that is not something any leader anywhere should even come close to saying. When you say that, a lot of people do believe their leaders. And a lot of people do believe what politicians uh, say, which you would kind of expect because they're, you know, like people look up to the people that are leading. Um, but if there was strong uh, secular institutions that are teaching at school, at university, even if you have a government like this, chances are people won't really buy it. And unfortunately, I feel like America doesn't have these strong inst institutions that are backing up any progressive ideology at, at the moment, which is why we see more than 50 of like percent of Americans uh, support um, a president like that. And it's very unfortunate. So education can definitely resolve the issue. And by education, meaning also understanding current uh, situations, not only history. Um, for example, like incarceration and, and imprisonment of people of color in America is a huge issue. Um, uh, what they consider is the war on drugs and who sells the drugs. And, and it, it's always people of color. Um, 
and there is a lot of people of color in prisons in America and privatized prisons that are corporations that actually do make money. Um, so all that kind of stuff is really, really uh, risky. And I'm not sure how many people, I, I'm not sure how much American schools teach about the privatization of, of prisons and uh, the incarceration of people of color and all that kind of stuff. So I think education can definitely alter the discourse of racism. I recently heard from news that a German uh, politician says, yeah, this all happens in US, but not here. We don't have racism here, which I totally disagree. And uh, when you said this sounds hippie, like, okay, they should learn and so on. I think um, it doesn't sound hippie at all. And right now we need to um, maybe make it a little bit more simple, really, that people can understand and we can say, okay, we need to love each other. Empathy is something good. You know, like simplifying our language. And I, because I realized the more we, we discuss, the more we put in really like fancy discussions and so on, the less we have good results and the more we have this discrimination in any, any um, form, you know? And um, that's why I feel like... Um, we need more patience in, in this and somehow the people like you and working in this uh, with, with this uh, awareness need to somehow empower more other people this is my personal feeling and i i am sure it's not easy it, it takes a lot of power during like on the way and so on but what what's your work um, somehow in which way it empowers these people who has lived experience who have Queer, identity, queer and the identities or who knows somehow that discrimination is simply not okay, you know, in which way it, it supports, this is, the, this is one question and the other thing, so you spoke about church, schools and all like institutions of uh, education, but what else can be the, the, the ways, like the forms of education? And like because you're artist besides being trainer and educator and I, I i was just imagining maybe there is a different ways of educating people not not only schools and you know what what do you say about this yeah um first of all like the way my work um i think the way my work empowers people of color is that for example what what we're doing now is we're trying to use the assets of the communities we work with um, so basically we make a match, um, even though I have, uh, I always see my clients, but also we work with a large number of, uh, uh volunteers, um, very like high skilled volunteers or retired individuals that have a lot of time. Um, so we try to have, uh, asylum seekers and refugees meet, uh, locals and get more from their experience. And by having that human touch and this human connection, um, you empower uh, newcomers to actually uh, realize that there are there are lots of people that are willing to help. There are lots of people that don't care about their their, their skin color or uh, sexual orientation and um, or social class. Um, so what? So that's like structurally what we try to do basically is. So use the assets of the community and try to make these matches and try to support people into environments that are friendly and diverse. Um, for example, 
I wouldn't recommend jobs that I feel like might not really be a good fit for my client's character, even though they're, they're able to do it. So it's really about, basically, it's about offering better services than what the government does. <laughs> because um, governments have these employment services that are really lacking um, uh, sophistication, let's say. Uh, it would be like a 10 minutes, here's a new CV, you can go get a job. But for us, we really, really take the time to, to build trust, get to know the client, see them many times, have interview practice, take our time, and it's free and accessible service. So I think that kind of stuff really empower people of color to like go to the next step and integrate or whatever they're trying to do, uh, get a job or uh, start an education program or, or, or anything like that. Um, what I personally do, um, I find it specifically working with, with Syrian people is really empowering for me and for them. And they're always really curious about my background. They always ask me, like, oh, where's your accent from? And, <laughs> and I find it really interesting just to have these conversations. And they always kind of look up to the fact that I have somehow made it through the migration process, uh, became fluent in the language, and now I have a job. And for them, it's really great to see someone who comes from their country. He's already done that. Um, and I'm super honored that they, they look up uh, to me and feel that way and I think this this connection and this human touch is really key for the counseling that I do um, I use myself as an example of like oh this is how you could do this oh you know one day my English was really crappy and I still went to university like we can do it we can make it happen um, so yeah that's how I feel like I bar people um, of color uh, mainly Syrians in this context in some other contexts, when I worked with uh, the LGBT group, it was more about um, community mobilizing, and it was more about, again, education within the community, people teaching each other, sharing experiences. Um, but for example, I give an example of the gay parade, and um, even though it, for most of people, it may sound like a really fun event, one afternoon, um, you know, out in the sun, uh, celebrating diversity, which is exactly what it is. But for individuals that escape their country for being LGBT, um, it is a really big deal. Um, I have worked with people for two or three years before they were able to walk in, in a gay parade, and it was this transformative experience for them. Uh, the first time they walked, they walked in, um, in, in a mask because they couldn't really show their face. Uh, to the crowds because it is they they grew up in an environment where they where they were told that they have to be ashamed of who they are and the first time they walk in a gay parade they have a mask maybe they have a costume so they're like kind of hidden and uh, the second time and third time they just walk freely they show their face and it's really incredible to see queer people of color go through this like transformation of from shame and guilt to pride, basically. It's really nice. Wow, and I see your contribution in, in, in that. Very, yeah. very beautiful, yeah. I think people who has somehow problems with, their, with the identity they are and, 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 and somehow showing it is a, a problem, uh, they need this example from outside. 
and if this person have this coming from the similar path they are more encouraged somehow to go and i'm seeing the contribution that you're you're doing and this is somehow important for me i think um people also would like to know so where can your influence be more because now you have your clients you have your people around but they're not thousands of people you know like i'm wondering how many people can know your um, opinion and uh, and and also somehow be motivated by you like through what through your art through your i don't know like how can we make sure that Ray Shami is like spreading his message to a bigger community somehow? Is there any? Yeah, that's a very good question. That's actually something I've been thinking about myself because having worked in education and employment and with LGBT communities and have jumped between quite few countries, um, yeah. now I'm at the point where like what next I can do um, even though I, I do have a stable job and all of this, but it's exactly about what you said. How can I spread the word more? How can I um, have my voice more heard? How can I reach more people? So I am still in the process of thinking about that. Um, I have recently uh, been working on my personal website, for example. Um, I mean, online, I mean, the internet is definitely the number one solution for any <laughs> advertisement of any kind. Uh, so, so that's for sure. Um, I do have ideas of, um, for example, one day starting my own charity or I would say more of a grassroots organization and, or advocacy group. So I have lots of ideas. Um, I think what may have held me back a little bit is that the traveling and the moving around and, and, and all of this. But, uh, but yeah, if you, if you have any ideas, I'm really happy to hear them on how can I... Um, the world. Been, yeah, because listening to you, it gave me like, wow, many people need to like hear you and definitely they will hear you through this podcast and I'm sure they will already like feel motivated and yeah, feel good, but why not to, to go like larger and I, th I also believe that this needs like steps and, and, and passion and so on, but I would be really happy to read something from you, you know, like it's enough to, to have the ideas and the opinion of people who are like having this um, yeah the the discrimination ideas and so on and i would love to read from you i would love to hear you see you more and um, for sure i will make sure also when your website comes and i will put everything in the description of this uh, podcast that people can also reach you. you but you can also always let me know whenever there is something new you say hey diva here is me and i will make sure that it's somewhere you know but I, it's amazing because I know your work and I think we need more of you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's always really nice to hear uh, uh, also someone like you and, and this whole sector really like recognize the work I do. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you being here. And yeah, no problem, you're welcome. Thank you really so much. Do you have anything to to tell our audience that it can be your first message to spread. Oh, sure. Let me let me think about that. Yeah, mm. please. A few, one thing I learned at university was really interesting. And one of my professors kept on repeating it. And I don't know why it came to my mind now. Like the first thing that came to mind is like, trust the process. And I, I really love this word and it could mean a lot. But I mean, 
wherever you are in life, especially if you're a person of color or a queer person of, of color, uh, or especially a migrant, um, there are very, very few experiences that are meaningless or, or pointless. And there are, most of experiences are actually meaningful. Um, so trust the process and try to, don't be afraid to expand your social network and get to know people and experience life and always go for it. There's always learning from everything. So that's my advice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes, guys, you heard Ray Shami and his advice was trust process and don't be afraid of expanding your network. I extremely enjoyed the conversation. I also, you, uh, I also hope that you take something for yourself and please let me know your feedback and um, also the topic that you would like to ask to talk about and also if you want to join as a guest in topic of education I will be really happy to host also one of you and um, this topic was a quite heavy topic I would say but combining it with education we are trying to make it not uh, lighter but real and um, because education is a part of real life actually um, and yes have a great weekend. Thank you a lot for your attention.